Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile, and I'm thrilled to be doing this show right here on bbsradio.com. Incredible show we have for you tonight. As a matter of fact, it is so incredible, the conversation that we are getting ready to have. It is, for me, I am on the edge of my seat. I get to have a conversation with someone that I've known for quite some time who is doing work in the world that is not only changing us on the outside but changing us on the inside. And we're going to be talking about that. Dr. Alberto Villaldo is joining me here today, best-selling author. He is someone that understands modern medicine and psychology. He bridges the... He, he builds the bridge, actually, uh, between ancient shamanist, uh, shamanic uh, traditions, shamanic traditions, and this idea of medicine and psychology. And for me, from my point of view, it's not a bridge that has disintegrate, disintegrated. I think the very essence of who we are culturally, um, sociologically, what we develop in the world has always had this sense of connection. And what he is doing, his work, and the fourwinds.com is helping each of us understand how we get the insights into living the lives that we desire and being the essence of the human dignity that we have, the dignity of the human spirit. He's joining us here today, Courageous Dreaming, uh, and that's what we're talking about on this show, how shamans dream into, dream the world into being. And I love the conversation. I love who he is. And do you have a dream? Are you a shaman? Are you afraid to step in to that world to be part of the bridge? Uh, Dr. Alberto, thank you so much for joining us here today. What an exciting time we live in. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Great to be with you again. Uh, I want to start off by this idea of, uh, of talking about courageous dreaming absolutely you know if you don't dream your life courageously you end up stuck with a nightmare with a life that is being dreamt for us by the national Enquirer, by fox television news by your karma and even by your genes by the genetic inheritances that you in the jungle they call them generational curses that predisposes to live, to die, to become ill in certain ways. And what the shamans of old discovered, the shamans are the, the medicine men and women of the Americas, they discovered that there was a luminous matrix around the physical body that was the blueprint of the body, and that you could clear, you could clear a predisposition to a heart attack. You could clear the, the genetic inheritances that you were born with so that we could age, grow, and heal differently. So we could grow new bodies. And this is, to me, the, the greatest dream that we could have is to, is to dare to be our most excellent that we can be physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, this is such an important conversation, uh, and, and I've been so looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, about uh, four or five days ago, I um, one of my guests that I had planned to have for an hour um, wasn't able to make the show. Mm-hmm. And 
I felt so compelled in knowing that you and I were going to be talking tonight. I felt so compelled to share an experience of one of uh, my experiences of my first vision quest mm-hmm. and what I learned being lost in the desert. And now, I, in the vision quest, you're not supposed to get lost. Uh, it, well, that exactly. just added a, another layer of thrill to it, huh? Well, you know, and <laughs> and, and what's so interesting about yeah. this conversation is, you know, you and I know you're not supposed to get lost, but when right. you when you try to translate those experiences that are magical, that are mystical, into common language. You use words like lost, but right. honestly, I was lost before I went to yeah. the, into the quest. Yes. You found yourself. I found it. myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was in the Amazon one time working with the shamans and the medicine men in the Amazon. And if you stray off the path, even for three or four feet, you might never find it again because the Amazon is so thick. Well, I strayed off the path, and there were three of us, actually. They were following me, and a day and a half later, they're saying to me, Alberto, you're lost. And I said to them, I'm not lost. Lost is a state of mind. I may not know where I am, but I'm not lost. And I think there's a big difference between those two. So tell me about your vision quest. Well, what I want to talk to you about is exactly what we're talking about, because what I realized is that for that particular show, for that particular hour, I was so channeled to telling a story that became very symbolic mm-hmm. for what we're about to talk about right now. Okay. And it became sort of, you know, this metaphor for our lives. Because, you know, when we're talking about being lost, when we're talking about courageous dreaming, you know, we're really talking about creating the essence or the bridge, as, as you talk about, for how we can truly be the best that we can be when Absolutely. we carry it around on this human skin. Yep. You know, in, in the book, I'd say that, I, that a lot of our self-help books have made us addicted to being victims. Mm. They've, they've debilitated us. They've, they've, made, they, they've made us a, a victim of our stories. And we're not able to write more courageous and more visionary and, and blissful stories about ourselves. So the, uh, so the first act of courage, I think, has to do with, um, and courage comes from the Latin word cur, which means heart, which means action from the heart. We have to be willing to risk it all. Mm. We can't wait for the, the, the guarantees, the assurances that everything's going to be fine. We have to be willing to go on the great journey, on the epic journey, because we, we didn't come here to spend another year in therapy. Uh, it's very interesting you're saying that. I, I was at a lecture on Sunday, and one of the things that they did, one of the songs they played, was a song by Tim McGraw, uh, and it's in the song is "Live Like You Were you, Live Like You Were Dying," and, and you know that song talks about you know what if you were to get a diagnosis and you would find that your time here is really limited. Yeah. How would you change your life? Mm-hmm. Isn't this really the call for us? to look at living our best night lives without the fear, without the threat of, quote, death. You right. see what I'm saying? But to do and step out courageously. Yep, yep, absolutely. I think that that's the essence. Because if we don't embrace the what I call our initiations and embrace them consciously, then life heaps them upon us. We end up uh, leaving the old and embracing the new after we have an automobile accident (laughs) or we have a near-death experience or we become sick. It's like life has to come and teach us a lesson the hard way 
because we didn't respond to that soft and gentle calling that was saying, come, 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 that's been calling to us all along. Well, and, and I talked about that as well. I mean, you know, the, the, the calm, gentle, you, you know, it's the brush of the feather. It's taking a feather and brushing it on your face. That subtle call. Every one of us knows it's happening. Yeah. And yet at the same time, we get, we go into fear. We don't know how to make decisions. We don't know, you know, we're not in a position to make a change. We know we hear it. And then all of a sudden it's not a feather anymore. You know, let's call it, it's a little scratchy thing on our face. Right. Then the next thing you know, you know, the side of our face is being ripped out metaphorically to yeah. get us to move. Right, right. And it gets worse from there too. I don't want to do that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't want to learn that way anymore. I don't either. want to do it. No, I know. The, uh, I love what Joseph Campbell used to say, it, that if you don't learn it, you end up marrying it. And we don't want to have to learn through, you know, by, through the next partner or through the next job or the next city that we live at or, or our next child or our next relationship. We want to get the lesson directly. We absolutely do. And you know what I love about this? is uh, for those of you just tuning in to the Dr. Pat Show, I'm here with a very, very dear friend of mine, an amazing individual, best-selling author, Dr. Alberto Villaldo. And one of the things I love is a poem that you've written that's on your website. And I call it a poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really talks to this issue. Uh, and I want to just read the first sort of line of it, and it's this. You can only find truth if you seek it for yourself. Uh, and, you know, for that very line, you know, that really to me points to uh, what you're addressing and what you call us to address when we look at courageous dreaming. Mm. Yes, precisely. You know what I do now, Pat, for many years I was in the Amazon and in the Andes as, as a medical anthropologist studying the, the energy medicine of the Americas and the uh, because I became frustrated with the our West, Western medical models, because for one thing, people used to die at the age of 40 until very recently, and nobody really knew how to age gracefully, how to bring your humor, your vitality, your sexuality, your passion, and with you into your 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we certainly can't do it with Prozac and surgery. So I went off into the Amazon and the and discovered a, a group of medicine men and women that heal through the luminous energy field that surrounds the body. And they believed that the luminous energy field was the software that informed the body, in this case DNA, which is the hardware. And what DNA does is to create proteins, to manufacture proteins for a protein-based life form. That you could download version 7.1 of the software and grow new bodies that age and heal and die differently. But that you could also download the information that would allow you to live far more courageously than we're led to believe we can live by the media that we are exposed to. That tell us that, you know, I wake up in the morning, turn on the TV, and I'm told what level of fear I should be living in that day by the color of alert that the nation is in. Exactly. Peace. You know, I want to live in peace. And, and, and a friend of mine says the bliss is the best revenge. And, um, and that's really what the, my book, Courageous Dreaming, is about. It's, it's about tapping into that infinite courage 
that we all have access to, to break out of the cultural trance that we've been educated into and dream a, a courageous dream. You know, one of the things you talk about is discovering how to wake up from the collective nightmare, and I think that's what we're talking about here. I mean, the latest collective nightmare we have going on right now, and we did a show on on recession-proofing our consciousness the other day with Reverend Dr. Kathy Ann Lewis. You know, it's this idea now that beyond terrorism, beyond the day-to-day fears that we have, beyond the fears of the economy, you know, in a global sense, beyond the fact that, you know, there's a shortage of rice in the world, we're now moving to this place of getting ready for, quote, the recession, the rising prices of gasoline. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, how do you describe the collective nightmare? Is this part of it? Well, you know, the I believe that, there are two worlds that are exist side by side with each other. One of them, and one of them is invisible to the other, mm-hmm. but the other you can see into this world perfectly. And one of them is the world of masters and slaves, and the other one is the world of creators. And you can choose which one you reside in, you take up residence in. And if you're living in the world of masters and slaves, you're living in a world of scarcity, of not enough fuel, of not enough resources, of not enough rice, um, and of having to protect your own from the guy next door who wants to take it away from you. Whereas in the world of creators, you're living in a world of grace. Of course, you still have to grow your vegetables and buy your rice, but the universe provides for you. And you have to know that in every cell in your body... Now, the world of creators can see this other world of masters and slaves. The, uh, from the world of slaves, we cannot see the other world. And today, what I consider waking up from the nightmare is really waking up from that, uh, that cultural trance that keeps us in bondage to, to economics, to education, to, um, to, how we're supposed to age and heal and die. And I believe we can wake up from it completely. In fact, these traditions that I write about in Courageous Dreaming come from a group of, of wisdom keepers that know how to dream with their eyes open, for whom the dream time has not been stuffed into this domain of sleep like it has been for us, and who understand that we are dreaming our world into being all the time anyway. And if we don't like the, if we don't like what we're living, we simply have to change the dream. But that has to be done cellularly. You cannot think about it differently. You cannot will it to be different. Let's we, talk about that because I, it, I, I think that's worth a, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, because I think many of us have understood you know, what it's like to try to will things. But to really get, uh, you know, into the cellular aspect of transition and transformation is is powerful beyond belief. I shared that in that conversation I had, that that download, that channel that happened when I talked about my experience in the desert and, you know, what that felt like for me. Uh, Tell me what what happened in the desert for you. What what did you get? Well, it was my first vision quest. I then went on to be a Mm co-counsel with a woman in California named, her name was Sedonia Cahill. Okay. And she had been taking people out into the desert for mm-hmm. 20 plus years. Um, yeah. Just incredible. 
Uh, she died tragically, um, you know, several years ago, uh, out living her dream in Morocco, driving around in a Jeep. But for me, I was at a place in my life where lost is probably an understatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the universe connected us. And here I found myself on what I was calling my first vision quest. I don't have a background on uh, traditions, and so it was, for me, sort of my first indoctrination. Yeah. And, you know, I'm part of a group of people out in the high desert in California for 10 days, and four of those days, you're pretty much on your own, uh, on your own vision quest site with just water. With just water, wow. Just water. Yeah, just water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first experience, and I love the desert. I can't yeah. explain oh, it. the desert is so magnificent. Yep. Cannot explain it. I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would never know it. And I'm at peace. I love it. And so here I found myself, and I decided that, you know, I was seeking out my place to build my medicine wheel mm-hmm. to be. And I look out afar by the mountains. Now, it, you know, for me, this is my first time in the desert. Right. So when I looked at the mountains, they looked like they were two blocks away. Mm-hmm. And off I went, and what I discovered about the desert is the desert isn't flat like we think, and what seems to be flat terrain is a terrain of these rolling hills mm-hmm. where you up, then you go down, and you go right. out. Off I went. I, I, I paid no attention to any of the instructions she gave. I didn't leave a trail. I had no way of knowing where I went from and what I came back to. I was so mm-hmm. fixed on the mountains. Yeah. that I marched for hours, and I finally got to the place that I wanted to be, and I found my site. It was like three or four hours, and I realized that I, had never, I hadn't turned back not one time. Mm. I had no sense of where I'd come from. Yeah. I had no sense of how I was going to get back. I had pretty much finished all my water. <laughs> The four-day supply, you finished it in the first day. Huh? Well, no, this was the, this was the, the half day that we were supposed yeah. to go out and actually okay. identify. Yeah, I hadn't even, I haven't even, I hadn't even brought my four-day supply right. out. Uh, but this was my first experience at, do you choose panic or do you choose peace? Right. And how does that show up in the desert? You know, how does that show up mm-hmm. in the desert of your mind? Right. How do we strip away what you talk about so beautifully in Courageous Dreaming and dream the world into being? You know, how do we move beyond that fear mm-hmm. of no water, uh, of, no, no coast? Safety, security. Right. Where's my cell phone? What if something <laughs> goes wrong? And what if I run out of water? Who's going to, and, and, and is there no room service here? The uh, All of these comforts that we surround ourselves with to, that give us a false sense of, of security and safety. I mean, this, this is what I love about airports. When you go through airport security, you know, it's, it's, it's totally a false sense of security. They, they, half of the time, these people are totally asleep. They're not even looking in your bags, but we all feel more comfortable because we have the, uh, the, uh, the, the Department of Homeland Defense looking after us. Mm-hmm. When your only safety and security really is internal, it's not turning back, it's following that calling into the desert and and not letting, because these are demons that grow within us, not let fear uh, eat away at us, not uh, 
because then then we're then we get lost. Then we're truly lost. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I love, and I would like to ask you about this. I wonder if you would talk about this because you know, for those of you, by the way, that are just tuning in, you're tuning into the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and I am so thrilled to be uh, actually have on the air for a complete hour today the author of Courageous Dreaming, Dr. Alberto Valdo, joining me here today. We're talking about this book. We're talking about ancient wisdom teachings. We're talking about how in this time of absolutely feeling, some of us may be feeling the restriction, the restriction of what it, we believe is imposed on us. How do we stay with the dream? How do we be true to ourselves? And his book is amazing. And I wanted to ask you if you could take a moment, because you cover this in the book, to talk about the four kinds of courage, because you also talk about the opposite of courage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, in the book I describe the four different kinds of courage that we can experience. So the first one is perhaps the most common kind of courage, which is bravery, uh, where you find um, soldiers at war rushing an enemy machine gun. Now, um, this is generally always associated with self-preservation and survival. The second kind of courage, which is more of... um, it, you have to go against your own instinct of survival. It's the kind of courage that a fireman has when he runs into a burning building to save a child, where every cell in his body is going, are you mad? What are you doing? You're running into a burning building that could collapse on you. But he goes against every instinct of self-preservation to do what he knows is right. I call this the Rosa Parks kind of courage. Remember Rosa Parks? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Rosa Parks was the, the woman credited, a black woman credited with, with launching the, uh, uh, the Montgomery uh, uh, movement that, mm-hmm. that, that brought racial equality to America. Well, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat in a bus to a white passenger, and she was arrested for that. And when later on, when she was credited with starting this extraordinary movement, she all that she said was, "I was just trying to get home from work." Mm-hmm. And so much of the time, when confronted with situations where we should be speaking our truth and upholding what we truly believe in, we get up and say, "Well, next time, I'll next time I'll stand up for what I believe in." And we give up our seat to um, to a situation we know not to be truthful. So the second kind of courage is is the, the, the courage to to speak out, to stand out, and to to walk your talk. The third kind of courage is is emotional courage. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was having dinner at a restaurant, and two tables away from mine was a couple in their 80s who had been, you could tell they had been married forever, and they absolutely hated each other. Have you ever seen that in a oh. restaurant? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And they were... You can feel the vibration of oh, that, Alberto. You can feel that. God, I wanted to change tables. But they did not speak the entire meal except for when he asked his wife to pass the salt. And he said, give me the salt. Mm which 
you know, he was saying, I hate you, you ruined my life. Yeah. And here you have a couple that, and we all know people like this, who mm-hmm. have become, who shared sex and finances, but have become intimate enemies. Yeah, absolutely. And the courage to disclose of yourself intimately, to grow a relationship, to um, even when it's difficult, when it's challenging, to to keep yourself emotionally committed and on the line with yourself, with the things that you know to be true and you believe in, with your partner, and with all with, with all your engagements. You know, I have a friend who hates his job. And he says to me, you know, my job is like a nightmare. I'd like to wake up from it, but I, but I need to sleep. It's, it's, he, every, every neuron in his brain is telling him, you've got to, you know, it's going to be too late at some point. Now is the time to drop the fear and reinvent who you are. But he keeps postponing it. So the, the emotional courage is essential today. In, in a world where we're all too ready to compromise too easily. Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting is there's an expression, uh, you know, I'm, and I share this once in a while. When I was five years old, my mother was really sick. When I was five years old, my uncles, uh, you know, rather than give me a bunch of dolls and things, they gave me a, bo- a pair of boxing gloves. Mm. Uh, outraged the entire family, by the yeah. way. But they gave me a pair of boxing gloves. And, you know, they said something to me that I never really forgot. I, I never really did forget, but I never really did understand until later in my life. And they and they gave me the boxing gloves, and they would teach me on a regular basis. Uh, you know, when my dad was never around, they would teach me how to box. I'm mm-hmm. five years old, mind you. Okay, yeah. and I've got these big leather boxing gloves. And uh, and what they said to me, and they would jokingly say it, but they would say it in sort of a broken English. And they would say, don't ever throw, you don't ever throw in the towel. You know, Patricia, don't ever throw in the towel. You're never going to throw in the towel. Yeah. Don't ever throw in the towel. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm growing up and I'm thinking, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. But what they were talking about was, you know, this idea that you're addressing right now. And you also address it, I think, as the opposite of courage. And that is when we're willing to negotiate our greater good. Mm-hmm. We're actually willing to compromise. Right. You know, one of the great teachings from the Native American wisdom traditions mm-hmm. is that you, you should be completely negotiable but absolutely uncompromising. Yes. Yes. And you can master both of these. Yes. And that's an important point to make because negotiating is really important. Negotiating is a way also for us to understand right. where, what the common, common ground. Because, you know, part of the Native American tradition as well is to find that common ground. Yeah. You know, to look at those places where we can meet. And, you know, the beauty of these traditions is that as we live in a time when the, the dream of the West, the dream of, of, uh, of a Two cars for everyone and a, and a four-bedroom house is exhausted itself, and not only in the U.S. but for the planet, that's an unsustainable dream. And we need to collectively come up with a new dream of sustainability, of right relationship with the earth, of right relationship with each other, of peace, of looking at our carbon footprint in the world, and that 
that requires a tremendous amount of courage because if we don't begin to dream that differently, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of, of the nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in America, we have six months' water supplies in our reservoirs, but in Africa, they have two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have in our, in our uh, pantry, you know, a couple of weeks' supply of food at parts of the world where they don't have enough food for that evening meal. Mm-hmm. So they will suck. They will suffer the consequences first, but eventually we live in a single planet. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be affecting all of us. So today I think we need the courage, and, and America is, 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 has the potential to be a leader in this field. And when we say that America can lead the world into a new dream of peace and sustainability and justice, it doesn't mean, well, let's let Washington do it. It means let's have the courage, each one of us, because we are America, to do it. To do it in our lives, to do it in our relationships, to practice emotional courage, and particularly the fourth kind of courage, which is spiritual courage. Mm. And let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, and I want to make sure everyone listening to the show knows that in, uh, the, the book, Courageous Dreaming, is available everywhere. Amazon is carrying it as well. I want to also make sure that you know how to find out more about Alberto uh, and, and by going to his website because what you will find when you go to thefourwinds.com, thefourwinds.com, not only will you see an incredible display of information, but there are ways for you to get involved, for you to be able to stay educated, to take your consciousness to the next level. You know, there, there is information, training programs on, you know, way of the sage and, and, and the medicine wheel. So, you know, all of what we're talking today is beyond talk. Mm-hmm. It is really about action, and you talk about that in the book it, as it well. Is absolutely about action. You know, I was in the Andes one time in the high mountains at 18,000 feet, surrounded by peaks that rose up to 23,000, 24,000 feet. And I was talking to an old Indian sage, and um, a man who could not read or write, so by our standards he was ignorant, but who held the wisdom of his people, who knew the wisdom of the earth and of the animals and the eagles and the lightning. And I was telling him about chaos theory. And you, you know chaos theory that says that the butterfly that flapped his wings in Beijing actually started that tropical storm in the Caribbean. Right. And, um, and he says, ah, very interesting. He says, show me. And I go, what do you mean show you? I said, yeah, you, this has got to be practical. If you can talk about it, it's because you can do it, can't you? And I said, no, this is a theory of physics. He says, come on, flap your little, your little doctor wings <laughs> and heal somebody in India. And, and I said, I can't do that. And he said to me, I can. So for him, it was eminently practical. It was not just an idea. It was something that he could put in practice. He could focus his intentionality and heal a child in India or down the street Mm -hmm. or in front of him. And, you know, what you're talking about, Alberto, really, if we go back in ancient wisdom and ancient traditions, you know, there are stories, we sometimes call them myths, 
of people that have done just those things. Uh, and, 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 and when I look at what you've created and, mm-hmm. and what you've created, especially with the Four Winds Society, it is, uh, it is bigger than a conversation. It is really a community. It is a global community that comes together. You mentioned something very important, and I want to get back to it. You know, you, we were talking about actions, and we were talking about sustainability. Yes. What's happened here is that it's almost, if, you're, if you haven't gone green, it, you're like out of fashion. But yeah. that didn't happen by a government regulation. As a matter of fact, the green movement, as some people are calling it, is a was grassroots movement absolutely. that em- that absolutely emerged because every environmental law on the planet, pretty much in this country anyway, had been broken or violated. Yep, totally. And so we have the ability in this country to rise up. Yep, and it at an individual level, you know, there's there's so many people. For example. I no longer recycle plastic because I don't, I've eliminated, eliminated plastic from my life. Yep. I've got a little stainless steel water bottle that I fill up and I take with me, and I won't buy plastic water bottles. But if I, if I stand back and think, well, how can I make a difference in the world? Who am I? I'm just this insignificant person. Then that has become so disempowering, whereas I know that I no longer consume plastic. And that is, and, and each one of us made that difference in that in this green movement. We are that movement, and the um, and today is a time for action, for courageous action, for bold action. And it's we're we're we're, we're beyond the talk. Yes, we are. And you know, I wanted to ask you when you sat down to write Courageous Dreaming. And for those of you that want to find out more, I would definitely uh, encourage you to go to the website, thefourwinds.com. The book is available right there in the store, as it is on Amazon as well. But you know, spending some time in this in in the website, thefourwinds.com, is an experience. It is beyond, uh, it is, yeah, it is an experience. And I will get back to the home page where I started to read from uh, something you wrote, uh, Alberto. But I wanted to, you know, talk a minute about Courageous Dreaming because, you know, you've written other books and, you know, you, you travel around the world. But to write a book on Courageous Dreaming, there is an underlying intention that you've set. And I wanted to hear about that and have you share that with our listeners. Yeah, you know, it's really kind of funny the way the book came about mm-hmm. because I was meeting with the with the president of the our publishing company of Hay House and Hay House is a magnificent publisher uh, founded by Louise Hay a pioneer, a visionary do you know that Hay House donates all of its profits from a South African publishing division to help the children of, of parents with AIDS whose mm-hmm. parents have died and they don't even publicize that but they're a wonderful wonderful publisher and the uh, and we're sitting and we're having a cup of tea and and he says to me alberto what are you what are you going to write for your next book and i say you know i really don't know i'm i'm so frustrated with the self-help books because i feel that they're keeping us victimized mm-hmm. and, and you know enchanted with our own story fascinated with our own wounds I said, I think we're really suffering a crisis of courage in the world today. We've become addicted to our suffering, and we keep reworking it. And, and 
and everything's been said already. You know, you've got Ram Das and Eckhart Tolle and everybody. It's been said. What we need today is to take a courageous step forward, even if not a leap forward. And he said, great idea. Let's write a book about it. <laughs> so, so the next thing I knew, I had a contract for a book, and um, and it, uh, it it it's been for me. It really made me find my own courage to say things that were not popular, and I had and I faced a choice: Do I want to be popular and sell more books? Or be valuable and perhaps sell less books, and the um, and I chose to to be valuable, and the um, and so the and tracking back the origin even of the word courage, which comes from heart, from the action from the heart, not action from the head, not coming up with a with a strategic plan for our lives and then mapping it out step by step because you know the old saying that if you want to make God laugh, make plans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, boy, I know that one all too well. I know that one, yeah. Uh, but it's about embarking on a, on a journey. Like, and, and one of the metaphors that I use is the hummingbird, which, you know that hummingbirds make this amazing journey every year from Brazil to Canada, and this is one species of hummingbird that migrates from Brazil to Canada and back. And they're not even supposed to be able to fly. Exactly. But they don't sit around going, you know, we don't have enough wings, we don't have <laughs> enough time, we don't have enough money, and there are no flowers to suck on until we get to Cuba. They go. They embark on an epic journey. And... This is the choice that we have today. Do we want to live the story of victims um, or do we want to live the story of heroes? Mm. And it's a choice that we each have personally. When we live the story of heroes, we write the story of heroes, we become the authors of our own story. We become the storytellers instead of the victims of our childhood, instead of the... Uh, of the child, the recovering alcoholic, we become the authors of our own story. Yeah. You know, Alberto, I wanted to ask you about this because I think this is, you know, this is a, a, a point in, in, in time in our conversation. You know, one of the people that said to me, and I shared the story um, of my journey into the desert, and they said to me, they said, you know, what did you do? Did you find, was there an eagle? Did an eagle sweep down and save you? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about that because, you know, I believe that this conversation now, that you know, that we're talking about eagle courage. But to answer that question, I said, actually, no, it wasn't an eagle. It's what I've come to know as a turkey vulture. And I went on to explain, <laughs> you know, yeah. how that turkey vulture actually guided me back to camp. But eagle courage... Eagle courage is something you talk about in the book, but you also use the term eagle consciousness. And I wanted to ask you, when we're looking at all of the things to unplug from in our world today and to take action, what is the essence? What is, you know, that 
amazing vibration. What is that thing we call ego consciousness? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see if I can do this in ten words or less. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you know for the sh- for the medicine men and women of the Americas, the wisdom keepers, there's no notion of God. God is a very Western civilized notion and there is a notion of creation and of creator and the understanding that you can become a co-creator see in the for the for the native peoples on the seventh day of creation the world was not complete for us on the seventh day God said you know, I've created the plants and the animals, and now all you have to do is name them. In the native traditions, the Great Spirit said on the seventh day, you know, I created the whales and the grasshoppers and the butterflies. Aren't they beautiful? And now you complete it. Creation is not completed. It's up to us to complete creation. And the single most courageous act that we can do is to recover our original nature, that self that never left the Garden of Eden, that still speaks with God, that still speaks with the rivers and the trees, (coughs) and to whom God and the rivers and the trees talk back to. Mm. And then we can take up our role as co-creators, as co-creators. Because the, today we have a popular understanding that we are God, we are God-like. But that's often a very narcissistic notion because it has no responsibility. Well, if you are God, bring peace to, to the Middle East or at least bring peace to your own life. Exactly. And, uh, but if you take up the mandate to become a co-creator, then you have to acquire stewardship over your family, over your children, your relationship, your village, over the entire world. You have a responsibility. It's not simply a, a grand state of consciousness. And then it gets really fun. That's when the fun really begins. Exactly. And, you know, part of this, and I want to say that uh, for many of you tuning in, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show, I, I so would love for you to uh, spend some time on Alberto's website, thefourwinds.com, thefourwinds.com. A lot of great information here, uh, ways for you to, to step up and, and look at taking action in your own life. Uh, and we're having this conversation today. You know, his book, Courageous Dreaming, is absolutely fabulous. For me, I felt like uh, it was I was coming home. I felt like, you know, here is a conversation that we can have that moves us out of the dream state, you know, that moves us out of that place where we're just dreaming and we're complacent and we're not taking action. And that leads me sort of to, you know, one of the later chapters in the book, which you say, be ready to die at any moment. And I wanted to ask you about that uh, because that I, I, I talked about that early on, kind of jokingly, mm-hmm. about a Tim McGraw song, song yeah. you know, Live Like You Were Dying. Right, right. And, you know, here you are, sort of the wrap-up 
uh, to the book in the closing thoughts, so to speak, be ready to die at any moment. What Absolutely. is, yeah, what is, yep. from your perspective, the significance <laughs> in being in that state? The, um, the greatest fear that we have is the fear of death. Ah. And the, so we tend to do everything we can to remain so busy that to deny the reality of our temporal nature and to think we're going to live to be 300 years old. So to be ready to die at any moment means that you have no unfinished business, no I love you's, no I forgive you's that still remain unsaid. So it means that you, your life is complete at every instant. And then you experience freedom. Then you don't leave a tremendous weight behind you of broken promises and broken hearts. Then you are able to truly live in the now. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot live in the now by reading Eckhart Tolle's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, just, you just read another book. You live in the now by being ready to die and ready to live every instant of your life, which means cleaning up, doing a tremendous house cleaning, throwing out old stuff, old relationships, bringing things to closure, apologizing, saying, I'm sorry. You know how powerful that is when you can say that to your, to your father or mm-hmm. your mother or your child? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, or and to you. say it to yourself. And say it to yourself, and I forgive you. <clears throat> So that's what it means to be ready to to die. Your life is complete at every moment. There's no unfinished business. And that was a requirement for the wisdom keepers to be able to dream the world into being. Because otherwise you were simply dreaming strategies to postpone death and to deceive you and to and to keep you from the ultimate, grand, explosive, orgasmic rite of passage, which is returning back to the spirit world. You know, uh, this conversation, you and I are having it, and I want to thank you. This has been, you know, this is an incredible moment. You know, there are so many questions. There's so much that you cover Mm. in the book, and, and I know the book is just one dimension of of who you are and what you do and i wanted to spend a moment to ask you uh does the book and i got the sense of it does the book you know for me does it sort of summarize does it capture the essence of who uh dr alberto Verlaldo is i mean you know i kind of don't want to put you on the hot seat there but you know i got the sense that you know in reading the book it was uh, it was another dimension that you now have said yes to. Well, that's the beauty of writing. <laughs> writing is like like a canvas for an artist. Is that you get to uh, to draw, to paint, and in doing so, you're not painting a landscape. You're not imitating anything that exists, but you're having an opportunity to be creative. And when you're creative, then you're living in the world of creators. You're no longer in the world of slaves. <clears throat> and, um, and what writing this book has done for me is that it's allowed me to unfetter my 
own preconceived notions about who I was. Mm. And in doing so, I discovered that I was a mystery unto myself. <laughs> and so some days in the morning, I get up and I look at myself in the mirror and I go, you know, I'm not sure who you are, but I think I'll brush your teeth anyway. <laughs> And it becomes a discovery, a process of discovery, so that all of the baggage of my past is not waiting for me at the foot of my bed for me to get up every morning. And then it allows me to dream. Because, you know, if we've all read The Secret, wonderful book, wonder, you know, a great teaching about the law of attraction, and we know that we can, that we can attract whatever you vibrate, you, you attract to you. But what the book doesn't tell you is that you cannot dream a, a better car or a better job or a slightly better looking spouse than you think you deserve. You cannot dream those things into your life. You've got to dream the whole thing. It is holistic. It is, you've got to dream all of creation into being. Mm. And then the house and the car and the spouse and the job and all of those come. You cannot dream any one of them singularly without taking responsibility for all of life, for all of creation. I love how you've stated that because, you know, we, we hear these words in the, in the language and especially the term vibration is used a lot. And, you know, it's used a lot and I, and I think that we don't really have a full understanding, mm-hmm. you know, of vibration and, you know, the meaning of the alignment uh, associated with who we are and, you, uh, you know, uh, the, the wise ones, you know, yeah. the higher power, whatever you want to call that. And, you know, for me and having been able to, to speak with you, and, and again, I want to thank you for being on the show. The oh, book is fabulous. It's always a pleasure to fabulous. Finish, Pat. And you, you, haven't, you haven't finished telling me the, the rest of your vision quest story. I'm going to have to come back on the show to get Well, I'm going to give story. you the short version <laughs> right now because yeah. it has to do with the way that I started this conversation by reading uh, uh, from your website, The Four Winds, by reading what you've, you've written on that page. And I'm going to kind of give you the, the short version of it. Uh, I, I, and by the way, when you know this person asked me, uh, the, you know, did you find an eagle? Was it the eagle yeah. that saved you? You know, this was my first vision quest, uh, Alberto. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the meaning of the eagle, the turkey vulture, you know, the scorpion, yeah. the spider, the ant. You know, the, it, I didn't even have a sense of it. But one of the things that I remembered in a moment of panic, in a moment of fear, and actually it was a lot of moments of panic and fear. A voice came to me in that moment and said to me, lie on the ground. Mm -hmm. Lie on the ground. Take your backpack off. Take your shoes off. Take your clothes off and lie on the ground and be one with Mm -hmm. Mother Earth. Now, I had to hear that a few times and the tears are running down my face. Uh, and I can see that it's going to be very soon, it's going to, you know, the sun is starting to move now uh, from the peak and the top and start to, to settle. And so, you know, when I read on your website, you can only find truth if you seek it for yourself, for the truths of history are the truths of others. But the truth is like a mirage in the desert. And, and so in that moment, I got to experience the mirage in my mind, the desert in my mind. Yes. But I heard the voice that said to lie down. 
And I share the rest of the story. For those of you that are listening, the archive is up on my website. But what I heard when I lied down on the ground, I didn't really hear like you and I are talking now. Yeah. But it was clear to me what the answer Absolutely. was. Absolutely. You heard that inner voice. Yep. And you followed it. And that's where courage comes in. Yep. And you know, Pat, just to, to wrap up, this yep. according to the indigenous prophecies, as mm-hmm. we come close to December 21st, 2012, mm-hmm. the Mayans, the Inca, the Hopi speak this at, about this as the end of time, at the end of a, great, of a great era in history and the beginning of a golden age for humanity. In fact, I just finished a show with Daniel Pinchbeck, the author of the book 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, that's, that can be downloaded from our website. Oh, great. A wonderful hour-long uh, chat that Daniel and I had about the, the birth of a new human of a, and, and the courage that, that's required to, to be born within your lifetime, to go through those, the process of the contractions, of the dilation, of the going through that dark tunnel of the birth canal and emerging born again within your life as a new as a new human that that can dream not just our lives but the entire the entire human family into being in a different way and um, and I feel that that's the task that we all have today and that we can have a great time a tremendous amount of fun doing it it's a most fun game in town it absolutely is yeah. and I want to thank you for joining us here today you know, as we wrap this up, Alberto, I wanted to ask you, what do you, what would you like to to leave uh, with our listeners? What is your personal message? Joy is the best revenge. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us here today. If you want to find out more about Alberto and about the books. Uh, I would encourage everyone to check out the website, thefourwinds.com, and boy, does that say it all. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you, Pat, and thank you all for being here with us today. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Dr. Pat Show, as you do each and every week. We've got lots to share with you, lots to announce. Uh, please go to our website, thedrpatshow.com. If you've missed any part of this conversation, you'll be able to listen to the archives in a couple of days. Uh, sign up for a newsletter. Um, we've got uh, a lot of announcements. Uh, we are actually also going to be announcing an incredible way for you to get engaged and involved in what we're calling uh, you know, a Dr. Pat's holistic makeover, so to speak. You'll have an opportunity to participate in that. Until next week, please step out into the world. Remember what Alberto talked about. You know, remember that you have that potential inside. Remember that conscious dreaming and courageous dreaming are what each and every one of us have the ability to do and to transform those dreams into action. That's what Alberto stands for and his life. We'll see you next week right here on the Dr. Pat Show.